Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, thank you for being here with us at Connect Church, even on spring break weekend. Uh, we have so many of our families, I'm gonna snag this, who are at Disney World and who are off on, on spring break this week, and we miss you guys and, and look forward to having you guys back. But I tell you, I'm so grateful that you're here in the house today. And a special hello to all those who are watching on live stream today from, from all over, really, the country where you've traveled. We, we look forward to having you back uh, next week. It's been a good week. It's just been a good week. I mean, it's been an easy week. I mean, everything's just wonderful. But, but it's been a good week. I got to share something with you. I don't know how this got on here, except for the fact that I put it on there. Um, but yesterday, hey, can we get a, a shot here? I don't know if you can see this well enough, but, but I went turkey hunt for the first time yesterday. Now listen, if, if you love animals, I'm so sorry. I love animals, but instead of going to Walmart to buy my turkey, I went out to the field and shot it. And listen, when my first shot yesterday... And here's what I'm trying to teach you. Uh, we, we went out there, me and Billy, he's serving down the children's ministry. We went out there and we prayed before we went hunting. And then all of a sudden, two hours in, I look out my side of the little blind there and I see this big old turkey. Now listen, I ain't never seen turkey do what he was doing. He was strutting his stuff. I mean, he was strutting out there. You ever seen a turkey shirt? Me either. Until he was right behind our blind doing so about 30 yards. And after I shot him, you know what I was doing for the rest of the day? Strutting the whole day. Went to a wild game supper last night like I'm a professional hunter. Anyway, man, I, I took a shot on this guy and without any suffering, he dropped to the ground and, and we cleaned him up and got the meat. And you know what's amazing? We had a chance to pray together right afterwards and we thank God for our food and for the meat that we had. Just had a good time together. Hey, hey listen, can I tell you what's so cool? Billy, he's part of this church and, and we got to do a little bit of life together. Got to do a little bit of life together. Now, I love Sunday mornings here on Connect Church. I love gathering together with you. But I want to challenge you together. Billy's, he's in my Connect group. And uh, if we get to do life together. You know what's going to take your, man, your walk with Jesus and also your experience with his church to a different level? Connect with other believers. Just don't show up on Sunday, Sunday mornings for the show. Just connect with other believers. And y'all go shoot a turkey together. Y'all could go maybe do something less violent. Um, and, and play, just... Just enjoy one another. It's our joy. We are, we are coming to the end of our series, We Are Connect Church. For the past couple of months, we've been in a series of messages, and here's been our heartbeat. You ready? We have been asking and answering the what behind what we do and why we do it. We're answering the why behind what we do in order to excite and encourage one another to ask, how can we be involved in what God is doing in the life of this church? And we have asked every question of what we do on Sunday mornings, while we gather together, why groups, why do we sing, all of the things. And today we end our series. And I tell you what, it kind of saddens me a little bit. Now, before we go further, I've got to give a shout out. Last week, I, I kind of talked about all the generations that were, that were in here. And, and the survey that I, that I quoted did not quote a certain generation. And that is the greatest generation. And so what is so funny? Wayne, where you at, brother? Wayne, you in the house? I, I saw it there. Brother Wayne last week, um, this is not the funny part, but at the end of the service, he had a little medical issue with his heart. 
And so we had to get him over there to the hospital. So we get done with the, the church service and I go over to the hospital and I walk in the room. Now, last week I talked about the offense of the gospel, right? A message on, I am offended by every, we live in a culture that's offended by everything. Well, I walk into the emergency room and there's Wayne on the hospital. He goes, I was so offended by your message <laughs> and I wind up having a heart attack. You know, it was just, I was like, what? You know, was just, but he said, you, you forgot the greatest generation. I'll tell you what, I love the greatest generation. And thankfully, Wayne, look at it. He's sitting there today. He's doing good. And, and we prayed him. Hey, listen, church family. The doctors were saying some things pretty scary about some blood clots in his heart and things like that. And do you know that we prayed with him and he, he's, and what's amazing is, is probably the doctors were even bewildered by this, but everything that they said he had within time just, just went away. And he's sitting here today, and, and I'm going to preach the, less, the least offensive message I possibly can today. We don't want to trigger any medical episodes. And uh, no, I'm kidding, but we're so glad to have you back. But, but we're grateful for all the generations. One of the things I was overwhelmed by last week was how much of all the generations we have in the life of this church. Today, as a church plant, we celebrate six months since our life. We are six months old from our launch date today. We made it, right? We survived in the six months. And what I love about it is that we have so many generations that come together to make much of Jesus together. I'm gonna tell you, a church that only has one generation of people in it is a church that's unhealthy no matter the generation. So I'm so grateful for all the generations. Now, to close out our series today, and we are Connect Church, I've got to gotta break back open my box from last week. Remember the I'm offended box? If you weren't here, uh, this, this is our I am offended box, okay? And uh, let me clear it out just for a, a second. Um, anyway, I, I took some things out that I was really offended by. This is unsweet tea. Anyway, so we, we don't need those. But, but I thought for today's message, our, our last message, that I, I would go back to this box and I would, I would pull out from this box a message, all right? That usually, typically may offend somebody. So here, here we go. You ready? Maybe I'll pull out a sermon on grace. No, nobody's ever really offended by grace, right? <laughs> I preach that all day long. It's good. Oh, okay, maybe, maybe I'll pull out a sermon and maybe a sermon on love. Nobody's ever offended on a sermon on love. Well, let's, let's go. How about this then? How about you and I pull out a sermon today and let's talk about forgiveness. And nobody's ever offended by forgiveness. How about a sermon, and let's just get really cultural here, here okay? What if we did a, a sermon on puppies? <laughs> Nobody's ever offended by a sermon on, on puppies. But you know what we do today? We, we end today in a series of messages that we end the very same way that we end every service almost. And that is with generosity, with giving. And why is it important in the life of our church? Now, I wanna say a couple of things about this. And that is, um, some people love to email me on Sunday afternoon and Monday morning after I preach. Whether you're in the house or you're online and you like to email me and tell me everything I preached wrong, right? Um, and I appreciate those, really, I do. Um, and, and when you preach on money, you start hitting close to home. People love when you preach on puppies, right? That doesn't really hit home. Or people love when you talk about grace because you can separate. But when you start talking about money, people start getting offended by things. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to personally provide you an email that you can get a hold of me at any time. So if you get offended by this message, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send all your complaints 
to Pastor Justin at Connect. It's my personal email. I'll read all of them. I'll pour over them. I'll lament. I'll cry. I'll repent. And, uh, and we'll go on. We'll go on from there. But you can send all your email. Please, um, please jot that down and please send something uh, this week to have fun with that. And I want to say this as we continue on in generosity. And, and why is it that you and I, why does, why does generosity matter? Why is it important that we give? I, I always, I'm always quick to notice this. Some of you are visiting Connect Church for the first time and you're like, you're kidding me. Part of the reason maybe you've not been in church is because you have this distaste for the church always seemingly being about money and all they can get. And here you find ourselves at the end of our series, it's been months long and it's on money. And I wanna say this, this conversation it's just part of a larger conversation. Our conversation on generosity is just part of a long, longer con- conversation of why we do what we do as a church. And we're laying the biblical foundation so that the very spirit of God can build his kingdom through the life and through the people of Connect Church. And part of that conversation is how do we honor him with our resources? And so today, we talk and we answer the question, why generosity? Why is it so important to give? Now, I also want to address a critical question. So before you write your emails, let, let me address this question. Hey, Anthony, isn't this message very self-serving for you? Like, isn't it self-serving? Because we don't give, you don't get paid as a pastor. Isn't it self-serving? And I want to say this, absolutely. Yes, this message is self-serving. Here's what I jotted down. It, it is a self-serving of a message as it is the grace of God. Why? Because I need the grace of God. It is a self-serving message when it comes even to the topic of the forgiveness of God. Why? Because, because I need the forgiveness of God. It's as self-serving as a topic as the very gospel. Why? Because I need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's what I understand that I need as a believer. You ready? I, I need all of God's word and not just some of it. And part of preaching the whole counsel of scripture is preaching on how to honor God in all areas of our life and also how do we honor God in in some of the areas of our life such as as our resources and our money. I need to know, talking about self-serving, I need to know as a a husband and as a dad of four children in a world that is crazy, in a world that is so busy, in a world that wants so much. God, how can I honor you in every area of our life? And, and especially today, how can I honor you when it comes to generosity? So is it self-serving? Well, sure it is. And the fact that I need to know how to honor God with my generosity. But does God really care about my money or if I give? Does God really care about our resources? Well, the Bible talks about money specifically in our handling of it over 800 times. In the Bible, nearly half of Jesus's parables deal with money. Dave Ramsey noted that over 2,500 times in scripture, God speaks to how we, we handle our money and our possessions in a way that honors or dishonors the Lord. So the question is, does God care? Yes, he cares about you. And hey, listen, not just some area of our lives. God cares about every area of your life. So Anthony, do you, do you practice really tithing? Do, are, are you a tither? Here's how I put it, and this is the way I always answer that. I practice generosity. As a church, generosity is giving that both honors the Lord and celebrates the tithe as the foundation upon which generosity is built. You say, well, who are we talking about when you're talking about the tithe? 
Well, the tithe is this understanding. It's, it's giving as required by the law in the Old Testament. A tenth of one's income as established in Deuteronomy chapter 14. It's a law in which we are no longer under because Christ came and fulfilled the law. But found in the principle of tithing is a transcendent principle that we're going to get into in just a few minutes. Now, where is generosity? Whereas generosity transforms us from giving to the law to giving to the Lord through the church. Generosity transcends just money to our possessions, to the way we interact as families with one another. Generosity transcends our conversation and how we love the people of this world and how we present the gospel to people who need Jesus. Generosity bleeds over into every area of our life, but specifically as a church. We end every service passing around these ginormous metal buckets. Throw some, throw some uh, access to the internet where you can give online. Why does that matter? And why, that, why is that even a part of the conversation? Just note this tagline, and you may want to jot this down. Generosity is giving that both honors the Lord and celebrates the tithe as the foundation upon which generosity is built. And hear me, it isn't something we just preach and teach. But as a staff, as your pastor, our families, and we practice it. We're, we're bought in and we, we believe it. You see, generosity is unique in scripture because it allows us to move from, it is mine, it is my money, I work for it, to the reality that it is all the Lord's and without him I'm nothing. Can I tell you the most freeing thing financially for me and my family? is the idea that it's all the Lord. I don't I stay up at night worried about whether I'm going to be able to put food on the table for my kids. And, I, and listen, I work hard. I'm a pastor full time. I have a lawn mowing business. I have a cleaning business. And I help, I help here at the Ridge. And I work my tail off. So it's not an excuse to be lazy. But you know what helps me out? Knowing that it's all his. And without him, I'm nothing. Not just in my finances. Without him, I'm nothing. Period. I'm not a husband to my wife. Without him, I'm not a father to my kids. Without him, I'm not a pastor you ought to have. Without him, I'm nothing. And generosity reminds us of that greatly. So let's turn and ask more about this generosity and learn from scripture why generosity matters. You ready? And here's the first thing I want us to notice. You ready? Generosity is timeless. Jot this down. Generosity is timeless. It's not something we just created so we can fuel this church, right? This idea of generosity is timeless. Giving or tithing, giving a tenth of one's income, it's, we understand this, that it predated the law. Let me prove it to you. We got a great video. It's two minutes long. Are you guys okay with the video? Uh, just kind of take a deep breath. No, it's spring break week, but we can survive this together, all right? Take a good look at the very foundation of generosity that is timeless. Team, let's play that. Two men bring an offering to the Lord, one of the fruit of the ground, the other the firstborn of his flock. God accepts one and rejects the other. Why? Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The word tells us clearly that the offering Abel brought was the firstborn of his flock. 
but it doesn't say that Cain brought the first fruits of his crops. It simply says, in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. Cain harvested his crops and over time gathered enough to bring an offering. It was an offering on Cain's terms. God accepted Abel's offering because it was the first of his increase. Cain's offering was rejected because it wasn't the first of his. Giving the first to God requires faith. When a firstborn lamb is born in a flock, it's not possible to know how many more lambs that you might produce. But Abel gave his firstborn lamb in faith, whereas Cain made sure he had enough for himself before giving to God. Many of us treat God the same way as Cain, making sure we have enough money before we see if there's anything left for God. Even if we give from what's left over, God can't accept the offering because it's not the first fruit. Other stories emphasize this truth. In the account of the fall of Jericho, the Lord gave strict instructions that the Israelites were not to keep any of the spoils from Jericho. All of it belonged to him, the Lord declared. Jericho belonged to the Lord because it was the first city conquered in the Promised Land. It was the first fruits. God withheld his blessing from Israel when one man took some of the spoils for himself. The first belongs to God. There was much more at stake than money when Abraham offered his firstborn son Isaac. When God asked for his son, Abraham didn't wait to have ten sons before giving Isaac. He gave the first when he only had one to give. Abraham had only the promise of having more sons. It took faith for Abraham to offer Isaac. Faith that God respected and blessed. And God did the same for us. He gave his first in the form of his son, his first and only begotten son, who was given to us while we were still sinners. God gave Jesus in faith that we might one day give our lives to him. The gift of his son came before the blessing of our repentance and salvation. We give our first fruits in much the same way. Before we see the blessing of God, we give it in faith. Giving the first fruits of your income says to God, I recognize you first. I am putting you first in my life, and I trust you to take care of the rest. That's good, isn't it? Real quick, but a whole lot better than I could, I could, I could preach to you. Really good understanding of, of this very idea of generosity that, that predates the law. Because if we could say that, that really giving and generosity, that the tithe is found only in the law, and Jesus came not to abolish the law but fulfill it, man, we're, we're no longer held into generosity. But the truth is, is we find that generosity is timeless. I remember as we uh, started planting the church, uh, Aaron and I gave everything we could. We decided as a family, even planting the church, what little we get. We would, we, would, we would tithe first and foremost to the Lord. And we, don't, we don't go 10%, but we go 11% of our income first out that we're gonna get. I remember one month, I was out mowing lawns and a, and a, a man showed up here at the church and, and we hadn't even launched here yet. And uh, we were just kind of looking over it and, and Aaron and I had nothing left for the rest of the month, nothing. And, and we knew that, that we, had, we had to give, but we just trusted God. In fact, that man needed some gas and I said, buddy, I have the last $10 in my pocket. I got t this is all we got to our name. We got a week left. Hoping our groceries are gonna last, our gas is gonna last. So I said, I'm gonna put $5 in my truck because I gotta have a little gas to finish these lawns out this week. And you get the rest of my $5. That's not here. That's not to celebrate any action I took. 
But it's this idea that, that generosity precedes everything, and it's trusting God to take care of the rest. And we see that it's predated before the law. Abraham gave a tenth of his spoils to Melchizedek of war in Genesis chapter 14. God met Jacob at Bethel and promised him covenant blessings. And the patriarch promised God a tenth of everything that he would get in Genesis 28. You see, generosity predated the law of God. But it was also prescribed by the law of God. A tenth of Israel's seed, its fruit, its flocks were given to the Lord in Leviticus 27, Deuteronomy 14, 2 Chronicles 31, and Nehemiah 13. The people gave a tenth to the Levites who, who were the ones, kind of the worship leaders at the temple. And the Levites in turn gave a tenth of what they got to the chief priests, to the leaders of the temple. Now catch this. In the law, prescribed by the law, the Israelites gave 14 different tithes over a period of seven years. When you take all of those tithes and you span those out yearly, do you know that the average Israelite who was tithing and giving in generosity to the work of the temple and to God, wasn't spending merely 10% of their income. With all of those offerings available, and if they were following the Lord in all of those, do you know that nearly 23.3% of their income was given to the Lord through the tithe? You see, we see generosity was prescribed by the very law. The pyramid, the principle of giving to the Lord from one's resources, whether crops or cash, Giving is timeless, meaning it predated the law, was prescribed by the law. And here's what I want you to catch. And the same type of financial generosity, first fruit generosity, faithful generosity was practiced in the early church. Because here's the second thing we know about generosity and answering why does it matter. Here's the, here's the observation, you ready? That the New Testament church's generosity we find was targeted. You see, we find even throughout the New Testament, Jesus Christ has risen from the grave in the early church that the generosity of the church was targeted by the church. And here's what I mean. I mean, I mean the question of, so was there really generosity practice in the early church? Or is this something the church in America has tried to do to get money? Or did, or did it die out when Jesus fulfilled the law and there was no longer a need for generosity? Did believers practice financial generosity, first fruit generosity and faithful generosity through the church? Did the church even have money early on? I think these are important questions that lay the foundation of why it is that you and I give. And the observation we make is that the idea that the church itself was targeted in their generosity, that they received, and they both targeted their generosity. There's a thought line that the early church had no money at all and didn't need it. And guys, I'm gonna tell you, that's just not true. That, doesn't, that just doesn't flesh itself out. Here's what we understand, that the church took a centralized collection and it targeted those in need with their generosity. It's so important that generosity meets the needies. Listen to this. Those who are needy. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 45, the, the, the church has been birthed. God is moving. Thousands of people are coming to faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we get some snapshots of the life of the early church. And, and verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. Now watch this. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Hey, by the way, these are the types of days that I'm praying for. And praise God, ever since we launched this church, and we've seen people every week give their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm shooting for days like this. And if we ever miss the, the point of church being to bring the gospel to those who've yet to know the gospel, and close the doors 
and do something different with space. Anyway, that's free. Um, we find there, there 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now watch this in verse 45. These jokers, these believers, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Man, the church became a central hub of this incredible generosity. People stopped tithing in the temple, and the majority of these thousands who were saved were Jewish, now Jewish believers. And they carried over that generosity into the very life of the church. Thousands were selling land, giving their possessions, and giving their resources through the local church. Um, You guys may not know this, and I've not shared this much, but Last year when Aaron and I moved over from Charlotte um, to plant Connect Church and to start building our team, nearly eight months of our, of our existence as a church was sustained by a gentleman who we, who we dearly love, sold a large piece of property and said, you know what, I, I, need to give, I need to give my tithe out of this large piece of property. He said, I know you're planting a church, so we, <laughs> I'm gonna give to the Lord through your church. And and so much of what we saw right here taking place was how we were sustained early on in the life of our church because the generosity of a man who practiced that generosity through the local church, even a baby church that had yet to even see its first day. Generosity matters. Look at Acts chapter four, verse 34 through 35. Another snapshot at the early church. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. Notice the centralized place in giving. That was the, that was the local church. And they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now, now listen to me. In no way am I telling you to go sell your house, go sell your property, go sell everything you have and give to the church. I'm just showing you a snapshot of the early church where generosity was alive and well, that it not only predated the law, was prescribed by the law, but it was practiced in the life of the early church. And there was this sacrificial level of generosity that was unbelievable. And note the sensualness of this. When you see these snapshots of the early church, it begins to combat the thought line that the early church had no money. There were thousands of people who were bought into generosity, not with just a tithe and a tenth, but even beyond that. They were giving generously. And you know what we find in the early church? We find that generosity is celebrated and that it was giving that was done centrally to the Lord through the life of the church. Now, without question, generosity, sacrificial generosity was given in the early church and given through the local church. However, I want you to hear me that the church is not the only arena in which generosity should be had. And I want you to make sure you hear that. That that generosity, whether we love to give to St. Jude's Cancer Research for Children. I love to help a man who'll show up here and needs gas in his tank. Generosity's lived out in a life and the church is not the only arena that generosity should begin. But hear me. We find from the teaching of of the New Testament, the early church, for the believer, the church should be an important and a prioritized place to give. Now, I want to illustrate this a little bit because all of a sudden we're going to talk about generosity and it's going to become this big theological concept and we're not going to see the practicality in it. How has this lived out? But you know what we begin to discover in scripture about the early church is that generosity not only helped those who were in need, but generosity changed the very hearts of the ones who were giving. God was honoring the generosity. Hey, mama, where are you at? Mama, I got a story. I didn't run this by you, but 
but I'm going to share it. So me and my wife, Erin, this is before we had kids. I didn't even know there was such a time that existed. But anyway, there was a time where we didn't have kids. And um, we were driving up to Knoxville to Turkey Creek. You know the story it is, don't you? Just bow your head there. Um, and, and, and so mama was sitting in the passenger seat. Aaron was sitting in the back seat. We were pulling off Turkey Creek, going to watch movies, all that good stuff. And, and there was, <laughs> there was a, a homeless man at the end of the road, standing there at the intersection. And he had a sign out, you know, I'm hungry, please help, God bless you. And as we pulled up, um, he starts walking towards our vehicle. And my mom is sitting in the passenger seat. She goes, lock the doors. I was like, Mom, what, what, what's wrong? As if he can't see what she's doing. Lock. But she wasn't moving her mouth, her lips. Lock the doors. I was like, Mom, Mom it's going to be okay. I said, guys, let's get whatever water, whatever food we got in the van. Let's just, let's give it to this man. And mama has got her secret. She's still talking without her lips moving. She's terrified. I'll never forget. We get all the food collected. Roll down the window. He comes up and says, hey, buddy. Hey, listen, here's, here's everything we got in the car. Man, it's yours. Praying for you. And as if a conversion took place and a miracle were to happen, my mom pushes me back. God bless you, sir. We love you. Jesus loves you. God going to do work in your life. We love, we're going to hear from you. We'll build you a house. We'll get you a car. And I'm like, mom, mom what happened? How'd you, how'd, you know what's amazing about generosity? <laughs> Sorry, mom. Is, is what it does not only to those who are in need, but what it does to the person who practices generosity. Uh, that, the very same woman, my mama, she works uh, here in the local school system. She's, in a, she's a teaching assistant. They do a hard job. And she also rides the bus with special needs kids. And, and I, I know her paycheck it's not much. But you know what? Every month, she writes out a check, and I tell her not to do this because I don't want to know what nobody gives, the life of the church. But she gives me her tie check to connect church. It says, here, I want you I want you to put, I'm like, mama, put in the offering plate, right? Put it online. She said, no, I'm going to give it to you. I'm like, I feel dirty, you know? And, and anyway, we do this every month, and she still gives me her check, and I, and I watch, and I see how... Um, a lady who doesn't, she's not a millionaire, except for she won the jackpot here uh, with her son. Um, besides that, she, uh, she faithfully gives in general. Mom, no more eye contact the rest of the sermon. Um, what I love about, yeah, God can, I love it. Hold up the card. Um, what I love about Connect Church is your generosity. Uh, your generosity has been given listen, has given to every need that is proven genuine and authentic in the life of our body, many of which you'll, you'll never know about because of the sin of nature. Every month, your generosity goes to the Sevier County Food Ministry, which gives thousands of bags of food to folks who are so hurting in our community. I, I wanted to show you this. I, I, I snagged some pictures. Uh, just th this is just through the life of our connect groups. One connect group raised, Brian McMullen's connect group, a really good, great connect group, raised money to purchase over 48 backpacks because the Sevierville Primary School said it's one of their biggest needs. They also raised in generosity enough money to help kids go on field trips that can't afford to go on field trips. That's your generosity. 
I look here at this middle picture and sitting over here in an office is a bunch of purses, another connect group of ours decided, you know what, we want to we minister to homeless ladies in, in the Knoxville area. And so what we're going to do is we're going to collect purses from women and we're going to fill it full of supplies that are needed. Mama helped start this uh, for, the, uh, for, for the ladies who find themselves to be homeless. And, and they're right now collecting and filling these bags so that in a couple of weeks we're going to head down underneath the bridge in Knoxville. We're going to start handing out uh, these bags to, to, to ladies who find themselves in a difficult place. It's generosity. I love our church's generosity. I love what God's doing. Now, the biblical norm in the teaching of the New Testament clearly shows us that generosity is to be practiced within the life of the local gathering believers. The church, it combats the notion that, that as a believer, that I can be generous but I don't have to be generous in giving uh, through the local church where God has planted in my life, where God has called me to serve. Financial generosity, first fruit generosity, faithful generosity through the local church is biblical and practical. Are you mad at me yet? Are you mad yet? Okay, good. I just need somebody. Mom is? Yeah, good. That's, that's actually why I know a message is good. <laughs> well, mom's like, I don't agree with you. That was terrible. I know it's a great message. Anyway, uh, I want to share this story with you. We, uh, we, we met for months over the summer last year in a lodge. And uh, if you think I sweat now, that place was really hard to air conditioner. Man, I was so going to wet by the end. I loved it there, though. We met on Sunday nights, training our core team. And we, we got to announce on one Sunday night that, uh, that God had provided through the generosity of some precious families in this church this space for us to launch our church in. Unbelievable news. I couldn't wait to share it with our church. And that night we, we kicked off a giving campaign. Why? Because it was going to cost us, you know, some money to, to move in and get all the equipment ready, to get everything we needed ready. So we started a giving campaign. And let me tell you what touched my heart. Aaron Murphy, who's sick at home with the flu today, probably listened by live stream. Aaron Murphy's one of our high school boys. He didn't know I'd listened in, but I, I was kind of creeping in on a conversation he had after the service that night. And he reached down in his wallet, was talking to his brother and said, man, all I got is $20. I don't even have gas in the truck. He said, I don't even know how to get home. And then I watched him take that $20. With nobody looking except for I was creeping in on it. He threw it in the bucket. And he went on. It took a little over $30,000 to make the transition in here. But I tell you, that $20 from that young man, made it possible for us today, his generosity, to meet where we are and to make much of Jesus together. You know why? He had a heart for 70 to 90,000 people in our community who had no church home. And he gave really everything he had to see that come place. Here's the second observation, you ready? The church's generosity was targeted at supporting ministry and ministers of the gospel. Watch this in Philippians chapter four. As Paul's writing to the church of Philippi, which were one of his greatest supporters, he said this, yet it was kind of you, church of Philippi, to share with my troubles. And you Philippians yourself know that it's the beginning of the gospel, my gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again, not that I seek the gift, and I love this, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. 
He's talking about gospel sowing, sowing the seeds of the gospel through their giving. Verse 18, I've received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. We see that the church's generosity was funding ministry and ministers of the gospel. We are commanded to support those who preach the gospel, Matthew 10, Luke 10, 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Timothy chapter 5. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I love this passage, and it kind of just tells us this very targeted heart. Do you not know that those who perform um, the sacred services eat the food of the temple and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share with the altar? He's talking about the Old Testament um, principle of tithing. He goes on and says, so also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. So we, we support, we, we support ministries and ministers. I love this. As a church, we give uh, through the TBMB, the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, to the IMB, the International Mission Board, to the NAMB, the, the North American Mission Board. And here's what we're doing by your generosity. Every month, we are giving to support other churches and ministry here at home and around the world to support both full-time and part-time staff here at the church, of which there's six of us, to supporting the ministers in other churches around our community and world. Note this, Connect Church is the first church in Sevier County to, to partner with Northview Community Church, which is a new church plant that'll be launching in September in Kodak. I'm flying out the end of this month to meet with a pastor and his elders at True North Church in Alaska, and I'm gonna be carrying with me their first check of partnership through the life of Connect Church because of your generosity. We'll be the first to partner with Focus Prison Ministries, which is gonna help transition um, prisoners going from the, the prison to their life. We, we are gonna, we're gonna help them. We're gonna help women transition and how to be good moms and how to take care of their families. The same with the dads. We're gonna be the first sponsor there. We, we, we sponsor with Young Life Student Ministries. Why? Because part of the 70, 90,000 people are no Nobody's church or students, and Young Life is blazing the trail to reach those types of students. And this is this is part of what your generosity goes to support. In fact, we have a budget of around three hundred forty thousand dollars this year that we're praying for. We don't have it yet, but we're working towards it. Your personnel part of your budget is is about half of of half of your budget to support six staff members and all the stuff that goes along. About ten percent on top of that goes to um, payroll tax and all that fun stuff you business people know all about. The rest of our budget, nearly forty percent of what remains in our budget, is what we would call missional. Is outside the walls of these church making a difference in the lives, and your generosity matters in both taking care of the ministers and the ministry of the church. I wanna make this, uh, I wanna make this note. Our, our practice of Generosity Connect Church is biblical, it's practical, and it's ethical. We have a finance team uh, led by an honorary lay elder, and Danny King, he's behind the camera back there. Uh, he does a great job. Um, if you could just drop 10 pounds on the camera, that would be awesome. <laughs> Can you make me skinnier? Anyway, we're working on that. But he's, he's back there. Danny is, is our lay elder in charge of, uh, and, and really helps lead up our finance um, ministry team. And, and Debbie Beasley and Irene McMullen and, and Jenna Hubbs, who's never been to our church, but she works in an accounting firm in Knoxville. And they have been a godsend, a godsend in the life of our church to help make sure our generosity is distributed in a way that would honor the Lord. Now, here's why I was once close today. And a couple takeaways from a very important passage in 2 Corinthians. Corinthians about generosity, about being a cheerful giver. Now, what's interesting about the Corinthian letter here in 2 Corinthians is that Paul spends two chapters talking about the church's generosity. 
Why does generosity matter? Does it really matter? Well, well Paul, it's been two complete chapters talking about generosity. Here's what he says. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You know what it says? Generous people, God deals with generously. If you're a generous person, you will all the more celebrate and know the generous, generosity of God. Now listen, I'm not saying it's gonna make you rich. This is not a pyramid scheme here. This is the idea of every spiritual blessing. Watch this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Oh, that's good. Whatever my heart decided, $1.50, right? I'm just gonna go $1.50. That, that's not the idea carried along here. What he's talking about is that they had people who were giving out of bitterness and into law and for the law. He's saying, listen, you have to decide in your heart to be generous and to follow after the Lord and be generous with your giving. And you ought to do so not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Are you a cheerful giver? I ask myself that a lot when, when we give. 11% right off the top and then we give on top of that. Am I doing so so I could say that in front of you? Or am I doing so so I could be a cheerful giver? because I really am bought into what God's doing in the life of his church in Kenan. Watch this in verse 18. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, now watch this. We gotta be careful. So you're telling me if I'll, if I'll give 10% of what I have to the Lord through the church, that, that I'm gonna become richer. Be careful of that type of motivation. Sometimes God does continue to bless financially and sometimes it's, that's not the case for seasons of our lives. We're not in it for the gift. We're in it because we love the giver of all things. And, and that's the Lord. But here's what, here's what it promises. Our generosity means that God will give us everything that we need. And that God will give us everything we need to continue to follow in his will and to make much of Jesus together. That's what generosity leads to. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And so let's bring this home. Anthony, how do we get on board with practicing generosity? Number one, generosity recognizes it all belongs to God. I love this in, in Leviticus 27. The tithe doesn't even belong to the giver, but to the Lord. It's all his. So when Aaron and I, when we send out... Our, our, our generosity at the beginning of every month, we do so as an act of worship, going, God, it's all yours anyway. It's all yours anyway. I love this quote. This, this comes from Jim Elliott. He, he had a heart for an unreached people group, a, church that, a group of people had no church, had no Bible in their language, but they were pretty rough characters. In fact, he would land there and they would kill him. But because of his death, a great move of God happened in this unreached people group and many gave their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen to his quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I've done many a funeral, many a funeral. You know what nobody puts in the casket? Money, stocks, bonds, cars. We don't bury the houses with them. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You know, generosity also does Generosity puts God first and foremost. First Corinthians 16, now about the collection of the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. And we challenge you to do the very, hey, listen, church family, here's what, I, here's what I'm assuming with a challenge. 
is I want you to meet together with your husband, your wife, your family. If you're single, I want you to just sit down. I want you to look at the books tonight. And I want you to ask this question. Man, is, it, is God calling me to practice first fruit generosity? To give first thing to the Lord through the church? And I want you to ask this question. Can we afford to? Followed by this question more importantly. How can we afford not to? Aaron and I sat down, planting this church, going, how can we afford not to give what little we have to the Lord? How can we afford not to? And so I encourage you, as a church family, we talk about generosity. We honor the tithe as a foundation 10% on which generosity is built. How do you do that? You go, I don't like your church. Well, find another church and practice generosity there. It's just not about our church and us. It's about you and honoring the Lord in generosity. I promise that. I love this, I jotted this down. Biblical giving kills greed with generosity, murders materialism by honoring the Lord with our money, insulates us from the idolatry that often accompanies our income and possessions, and worships God with everything, and not just some things. And here's, it. here's the last takeaway. Generosity moves us from, being, from it being our job to give to it's our joy to give. Generosity moves us from the position of I have to give to the position of I get to give. I love Malachi chapter three, verse 10. Watch this. Bring the whole tithe. Hey, by the way, we've gone through a lot of scripture together. You guys okay? Probably hadn't had this much Bible reading. I love what Billy Graham said. He says, every message I preach, I throw in 25 plus scriptures. Why? Because it's the most important part of what I say. That's Billy Graham. I love that. Watch this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me. Watch this. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. It will, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until I, he says, try me and let's see who can outgive who when it comes to generosity. Now listen. This passage was not written to us. These written words of God in Malachi chapter three, though, paint a picture of, for us of a God whose heart and committed commitment is to the generosity of his people. See, in my challenges, church, try him. It's the only area where God calls us to test him and try him. You know what? I triple dog dare you. You try to outgive God. You try to outgive him. You will find that you want. So here, Financial generosity, first fruit generosity, faithful generosity overflows from the life that is lived generously in every area, inside and outside the church. Can I close with this little story? I don't know what I would do if you said no. I always wonder, can I close? You're like, no, I was like, well, I'm still gonna do it. I'm pastor of the church. Anyway, after a youth gathering, the offering was being taken at this large youth event. And as the folks were going through the money and counting the money, they found a picture of a teenage girl at the bottom of the bucket. And initially, they rushed to their judgments on what happened. They thought some boy had taken a picture of a girl out of his wallet. Wouldn't you like to be his girlfriend? And he'd taken the picture, thrown it in the offering plate and bucket as a practical joke. And they, they assumed this, and they began to talk about how dare him do that and how disrespectful and things like that. And then one of the people took the picture and turned it over. And here what was written on the back of the picture. I have nothing to give, but I give myself. And that little girl had taken all she had, and she written on the back, I have nothing to give, so I give 
myself. Generosity is much more than money. Money's a part of it. Generosity is a life lived. And hear me, church, that was changed by the greatest act of generosity in all of history. And that is a God who so loved the world that he gave, generously gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to tell you something. In all this talk of generosity, I am so thankful for God's incredible generosity to me. And if I had nothing else, no house, no truck, no family, and all I had was what God's done for me, I count myself to be the most blessed man in all the world. Let's pray together, can we? As we pray together, church, I, uh, I just wonder this. Believer, she asked this question to God. How and where can I be more generous? Now hear me. Today's message was kind of targeted to the area of, of financial generosity, right? But how about other areas of your life? Generosity and loving people and sharing the gospel, caring for people, giving of your resources to the Lord and through his church. Pray that prayer right now, believer. God, how, can, how and where can I be more generous? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.